there. I'm William. I'm David. And I'm Audrey. And we are Walter Hoop. And you're listening to Wellspring Podcast, brought to you by Walter Hoop, a Cincinnati performing arts company. I'm going to be real with you. (laughs) This was a monster of a project for us, and a lot of people volunteered a lot of time to bring this to life. So if you like this podcast, please know that this took a lot of work to do. We are a small company. Please share it with your friends. You can't imagine how much that means to us. And if you really love it, donate at our website, walterhoop.com. So without further ado... Date 9 to 22, time 11.28, location 38.012 degrees by negative 85.115, investigation Wellspring, interview subject Max S. Oh, yeah. Hi. Come in. Come in. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me by. Of course. It's, you know, not the most cheery topic, but always happy to help a budding reporter. Talk to a lot of them. Oh, a few. Not so many anymore, but in the years after the incident, you can imagine. Can I get you anything to drink? Water? Fizz? Oh, no. I'm fine. You have a beautiful home. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. We try to keep it clean. Very... You know, it reminds me of my parents' house. You're Trappist, right? Yes. Please, have a seat. So is my wife. We went with a more Trappist aesthetic. (laughs) Bright colors and open airy spaces. Not quite what I grew up with. Anyway, we're happy here. So, what do you want to know? Well, you're... uh, This is probably really silly and telling of me to say, but... uh, Well, you're the first Katoy I've met. Really? (laughs) Really. Expecting something a little more alien? Uh, Maybe. Uh, no, I, I don't know. I mean, you don't have a... I mean, you don't sound... I've seen you in the Bitwave, of course, but I expected... Extra appendages? N- not exactly. <laughs> it's all right. This community actually has a fair amount of Katoi families. They are mostly pretty insular. A few married into Trappist families like me. But honestly, that's pretty rare. So it's been a while since I've gotten that reaction. No, as... As far as I can tell, we're all really quite the same, shocking as it may be to some. And as much as some might want us to be different. Right. What was life like on the Kia? Kea. Oh, sorry. Kea. Long. That was it, in a nutshell. <laughs> Long and a lot of waiting. Though you have to understand, my generation was the first to be born anywhere close to here. My parents, they knew the long dark, as they like to call it, and my grandparents, <laughs> forget about it. They basically grew up assuming we would never make it. They died before we arrived. I can't imagine being this close to your your destiny, right? And it's just out of reach. Like being abandoned outside the land of milk and honey. Huh? I've read some of your sacred texts. The Uriah and... Oh, uh, God, you read that thing? And the Novae? Puts me to sleep, but good for you. But yeah, in answer to your question, yes, yes, we felt like uh, Melesh. Not that you all received a warm welcome, exactly. No. I'm sorry for that. Yeah, me too. I... There really is no way to describe the excitement of those last few months. When we were finally in spitting distance. When we thought we would finally be able to set foot on the stable ground. Like I said, most of the other generations never thought the day would come. 
but of course, excitement turned quickly to horror. Then it turned to desperation, then anger, then hope for justice. And now, well, I think most of us are basically resolved grudgingly to our fate. But hey, for us, that's basically what we've been like for a thousand generations. So par for the course, I would say. You were an interpreter in the Wellspring facility, right? That's right. And how did you get that job? Sure. Well, it's kind of a funny story. I'm assuming in your research you have come across the name Jack Ford. Of course. Right, yeah. So my assignment came down from Warden Ford himself. I actually pride myself with that. Great man. Ford was a great man? But I mean, he persecuted and killed your own people. Yes. Yes, that... That was unfortunate, of course. And look, I'm not saying I'm friends with Ford, or even really that I liked him. I hate him for what he did to the Katoi. But there was no denying he was a great man. Hmm. What? I just... That is an interesting point of view. Believe me, I get it. Not the most popular opinion, I know. Here, I, I knew him better than most of my people. And someone you work with that closely, you may not even like him, but you build a respect for him, you know? And I'm not going to deny that. Look, here's an example. A few years into it, uh, uh, Secretary of Defense, I forget his name, Head of National Security, something like that, comes by Wellspring unannounced. Spot check, that sort of thing. Anyway, by this time, Ford was always towing me along with him whether I was needed or not. And when we were inspecting the perimeter... This guy just starts laying into the guard on duty. Because, of course, no one knew what the hell they were doing. Just yelling about security and secrecy and all this. And Ford, he turns to him, and he's put his hand right on the nape of the guy's neck. Not violently, just placed it there like that. And the guy shut right up, more out of disbelief than anything. And Ford says, Mr. Secretary, I believe you've had your say. Private, whatever his name was, here is operating under my orders. If you take issue with the state of anything in this facility, you take issue with me. Your inspection here is a formality only, and it is now concluded. It was an incredible moment. I don't really do it justice. Just the the way he was able to handle that facility without knowing what to expect. You know, I, I can respect that. I can see that. Do you feel like there was anyone like that on the Katoikia? Kea. No, not really. Not like him. Which is probably a good thing. Ford was not well liked, not by anyone. On the Kea, there wasn't much room, no pun intended, for that kind of friction. It's amazing we survived that long. I bet the transition was difficult. That's putting it mildly. I mean, putting the internment aside, the air, the smells... The light. I cannot tell you what it is like to experience your first sunrise. It's so bright. I mean, I'm used to it now, but those were an intense few years. Was it worth the wait? That's a funny question. I mean, (laughs) waiting is what my people do. All we've done for generations is wait. Honestly, I don't know if any of us even actually know where we come from. We've been waiting, drifting, floating for so long... Our whole past is a mythology. Do you think that plays into how our people see you? Maybe. But, you know, I've met a lot of really great Trappists. My wife is, of course, the loveliest and kindest. 
Although my kids may have inherited some of their grandparents' dispositions. You have kids? I do. Two girls, five and seven. Can I show you a picture? Sure. They're adorable. Thank you. Allison is just starting school this year. And, of course, the other kids are giving her grief about having a Katoi father. Really? What do they say? Oh, you know, kid stuff, saying she doesn't belong here, she's a freak. They call her Alien Alley. Original. Right. You'd think they'd come up with something a bit more creative. Anyway, you know what? We gave our kids my wife's surname to try and avoid that kind of thing, but someone always finds out, always finds a problem with your existence. I'm sorry, that's awful. You'd think that after 20 years, we'd all become a bit more tolerant. You think? I don't know. Bigotry is a learned disease. Anyway, what were we talking about? The intolerance of Trappists? Right, I mean before that. Uh, Ford. Yeah, Ford, right. Okay. Uh, You want to know how Ford and I met? Yes. It's kind of a funny story, actually. Well, not so much funny as, you know, tragic, but you know what I mean. When we came down... We didn't know what we were walking into. I mean, we didn't even know that this place was occupied, you know what I mean? So that was the first big surprise. But the second came when we landed. Because even though we are by nature cautious, we didn't quite expect, you know, guns aimed at our heads. No. You gotta understand that this this was our birthright. This was the culmination of over 10,000 years of drifting. That's all my people know. Just floating. So when we got near during my parents' generation. It was... Most people didn't believe it at the time. This place was a bedtime story. Like the land of milk and honey. Except we weren't wandering through the desert. Though I guess it rained just as much. Hmm? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I have been a dad too long, I guess. Anyway... You know, the more devout of our people talk about betrayal and the deception of false leaders, and hey, it's hard to argue against them with what happened. Uh, Sorry, sorry, sorry. Right, Ford. This actually does have to do with Ford. But do you know how we knew that you were here before we got too close? How? Bitwave. Bitwave? Yeah, I grew up on your Bitwave. Like, whatever your parents were watching as kids, I was watching. I was a bit of a nerd growing up, and I would tinker with electronics and stuff, and I had a handful of telescreens. One of them was apparently tuned to your bitwave bands, and I loved that stuff. Goody Lowman, Around the Block, Uncle Joe's House Classics, and I watched that stuff religiously. I'm sure the guys up in comms knew about it too, but they definitely didn't watch as much as I did, which is why I think when we eventually got here, I basically knew the language without ever being taught it. I picked it up just like that. And Ford saw use in that. Oh yeah. Of course he didn't know at the beginning. I was subjected to the same awful conditions, terrible food, forced labor as the others, but um, I was the only one listening to the guards. Eventually they caught on. And word got around to Ford that I was able to understand a little of your language. He sent for me. I became his translator, and basically I was employed into his service. Well, not employed, but, um, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, I'm not sure. Impressed. I wasn't exactly keen on the idea of working for him, and to be honest, my concern turned out to be real. None of my people trusted me after that. They thought that I was working for the other side, and I mean, I guess I was, but what choice did I have? They forced you to work for them? Yes. I got off easy, though. A lot of the others did more labor-intensive work. Between that and the tests, it was a busy life. 
you're very cavalier about it. You'd laugh to keep from crying. Besides, it's been 20 years at this point. That's not a long time. You have to be able to move on. I understand this can be a difficult subject. Hey, I wouldn't have had you here if I didn't want to talk. Right. Uh, Well, I wanted to ask you about these tests you mentioned. The tests that went on at Wellspring. Okay. Obviously, some of them were on public record. The DNA and the blood tests, for instance. But I thought... Maybe as an interpreter, you would have been privy to others. I mean, I'm not a doctor, so... But wouldn't you have been needed to ask patients questions, relay symptoms to the doctors? Yes, I did. Do you recall the nature of any of those tests? Like you said, they took blood, they ran our DNA. Some of us got a little lightheaded from the transfusions. Transfusions? Sorry. uh, They gave you blood transfusions? uh, No, 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 no. Sorry. Uh, Sometimes I get mixed up even now with, uh, you know, niche jargon. Uh, I meant, uh, uh, just... Blood drawing. And some people got sick from that. Sure. Have you ever given blood? Some people have a weak constitution. <laughs> Not a pretty sight. Some of us had a similar reaction. See? We're not so different. Right. Look, what are you trying to find out? Did they make science experiments out of us? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that is exactly what I'm asking. Look, I saw a lot of shit while I was at Wellspring, but nothing like that. What about aspiritus? Aspiritus? Uh, it's a myth. What? Look, after Wellspring, there were a lot of Katoi that couldn't figure out a way to make ends meet. Illnesses, especially if you can claim you are somehow carrying something that no one else has seen before, are a great way to get on the dole. Yeah, I mean, what do you know about aspiritus? I know it only affects the Katoi. There's an observation. People get sick. Look at me. You see me coughing up a lung? See, here's the thing. We should never have come down. And not because of what Ford and his people did to us, but because we could have wiped out your whole species. Or, you know, you could have wiped us out. Honestly, I'm amazed it didn't happen. We got through something like the Rudd, basically unscathed. But, well, it could have been fatal to you. The Rudd? There, that was an illness that hit us pretty bad a few generations ago. We eliminated it with vaccines over the last few decades, But not before it was an epidemic, maybe three or four times. Anyway, none of us even worry about it, but it could have killed you all. Who knows? Do you think that's what aspiritus is? A disease you caught from us? I told you that it's made up, not real. What? What, what? I'm not a doctor. But Thera Berea is, and during the trials, she predicted aspiritus. That is exactly my point. That prediction left the door open for people to take advantage of it. You would be expecting aspiritis, so people could claim that they had it, whether it was real or not. The DPC says... if you're so interested in the subject, why don't you talk to Thera herself? She is the doctor. You know her. Of course. We all knew her. She was chief physician on Nakea, and she was the only doctor that would touch us when we first arrived in the facility. She worked for Wellspring? More like was impressed. If you want a doctor's opinion on this stuff, you should talk to her. Do you know where she lives? The last I heard anything, she was bumming around back up north near Carver City. Look, not all my kind hate me. People talk. Have you talked to many people about your experiences at Wellspring? Reporters like you, sure, but most of my friends now are Trappist, and they really aren't interested in hearing Wellspring stories. <laughs> I mean, can you blame them? What about Ford's death? Have you told anyone about that? Why would I know anything about that? Well, you were in the room that night, right? I, um, have you... 
Who else have you interviewed? I'm sorry, I can't reveal my sources. You were there, were you not? Yes. Look, I was just an interpreter. I just repeated what other people were saying. It was a long time ago, but... Well, there were four of us there. Me, Ford, uh, Thera. Thera Berea? She was in the room? Yes. It wasn't the first time we, uh, interacted at Wellspring. As you may have heard, she was an instigator in a lot of the unrest. She was a major player. I'd been an interpreter in other interrogations involving her before. This one was different, of course. There was... a child. A child? And the child's mother. Her name was Corey. Corey. I haven't come across that name before. I didn't know her well on the Kea. Uh, and Wellspring kept her and her baby isolated from the rest of the detainees. It is not surprising that her name didn't come up in any of the trials, but she and Thera were very close, so I understand. And as you can imagine, it was important to them that Corey's child was protected. So they were going to give it to Ford? <laughs> I don't know. That's what I gathered. I was there for five minutes before the alarms went off. And you don't remember anything else about the interrogation? Look, I didn't want to go into this. I mean, do you know how Ford died? Official reports said he committed suicide. Yeah, official reports mean nothing. Ford wasn't the kind to take his own life. So? I waited around that room after the alarms went off. After Ford made the women and me leave, I... I was worried about him. Anyway, I... Ford never left that room. But maybe 30 seconds later, this big security guard, he came in halfway through the meeting, he comes running out of the room, and get this, he has the kid. And I stopped him and asked him, what the hell is going on? And he just said, I, I, I didn't mean... And then he just ran off with the child. I ran back in, there was Ford. He was gasping for breath, okay? He... He was... He was gone. There was nothing I could do, and there was... On the ground next to him, there was this syringe. I have no idea where it came from, but well... I mean, you guess what I thought. Poison, maybe? I assumed the guard was with the insurgents. Why else would he have shown up basically seconds before the alarm went off? But who was going to believe a toy? <sighs> anyway, that was it. That's how Ford died. You understand why I really don't like talking about it? Sure. Well, that was a digression. T? No, thanks. Well, thank you for your time. Of course. No, yes. Thank you. If you ever hear anything else from your Katoi friends, you have my number? Yes. I... Before you go... Can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you ever think about the choices that you make throughout your life and how they affect your future? Yeah, sure. See, there were a lot of terrible things that happened at Wellspring, but, well, if all of those terrible things added up to now, now I have two beautiful daughters and I have a wife who loves me, then... Maybe those sacrifices have some bigger meaning. 
Maybe. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, thanks for coming by. Uh, goodbye. Thanks for speaking with me. Wellspring was created and produced by Walter Hoop in Cincinnati, Ohio. This episode was written by David Mavrikos with performances by Audrey Berteau and Darnell Pierre Benjamin. Dialect coaching by Teresa Spencer. Music by Dylan Osius and intro theme by Dylan Osius and Peter Foley. Additional sound design by David Mavrikos and William Vaughn. Editing and mastering by David Mavrikos and Khalil Skyrick. Special thanks to Peter Foley and Walter Hoop's resident artists, Kelsey Nyheiser, Teresa Spencer, and Kristen St. Clair. Wellspring is a Walter Hoop production.